Well, as we begin today, let me start with a question. Who is the person in your life, like a a close friend of yours, that when they're away on vacation, you're like really, really happy for them, but there's also that part of you that's gone, I can't wait for them to get back because I just miss them so much. Or who's the, the person that you're, you're a really close friend with and they're in maybe your life group together? And so when you pull into the life group, whether it's here at our building or at somebody's home, you pull in and you see that their car isn't there, you're immediately like, oh man, tonight just isn't going to be the same without them being here. Or who, who is the person that when you have an extra ticket for a, a concert or a sporting event, they're the first person you pick up the phone and you call them and go, hey, I've got this extra ticket. I want you to come and, and be a part of this experience with me. Or who's the, the person at work that when you go in through the office or you're walking through your factory or wherever you're at, you look around and you're like, I don't think they're here today. They're, they're not working today. Ah, oh, that's going to be a long, long day. You have some people like that in your life that you're just like really sad when you're not able to be with them. You know, one of the the joys for me in 13 years now of being here at Exponential is that my answer to that question will be our worship pastor, Bill, and his wife, Megan. You know, it's so awesome not to just be able to do ministry together with them, but actually have become friends with them and to do life deeply together with them. In fact, we're looking forward uh, just next month, actually about one month from today, the four of us will be together down in Costa Rica serving in missions together. And it's the first time that both Bill and myself will have been away on a Sunday morning from Exponential on the same day. So pray about that because we're a little nervous about that, but uh, we're going to be down there in Costa Rica serving and it's going to be a great, great time, not just because of, uh, again, the the ministry we get to do together, but because of the friendship that we developed over the years. And that's what I want to talk to you about today as we continue our series in the book of Proverbs is how do we find friends like that, people that you just want to be with and, and spend time with to do life deeply together with all the time. Now, I want to start with a strange little story, but hopefully it'll make a point for you. In the 1960s, There was a guy, and his name was Jack Warner. He was the last remaining of the five Warner Brothers. You've heard of Warner Brothers, right? The the movie and production company. So it's in the 1960s. He's the last one that's still living, and he decides he's going to sell the remaining shares that he has in the company. And listen to this. He sells those shares for $640 million. Now, put that into today's dollars, that is actually 6.7 billion, that's billion with a B, $6.7 billion that he sells these shares for, essentially. And so a, a reporter came to interview him, and the reporter's like, Mr. Warner, like, with all this money that you have now, what's the first thing you're going to do? Are you going to, like, throw, like, this big party, a celebration, invite all your friends to come in and celebrate with you? And all of a sudden, Jack Warner, who up to that point in the, in the interview had been, like, joking around and just like having a good time, he got very, very deadly serious. And he said to the reporter, to be honest with you, I don't have a single friend in this world. I want you to think about that. Here's a guy that was a, a Hollywood power player. He had all the power that he wanted. He had immense success with his career. He had obscene amount of money now. All the things which the typical person would say, this is the American dream. Success and and money and power. 
but yet he didn't have a single friend to share all that with. Not one. How sad is that, that he didn't have one friend that he could share in celebration? And think about the reverse side of that then as well. If he didn't have one friend to celebrate with, what happened to Jack Warner in the times that he was down, that he himself was sad, that he himself was going through a tough time? He didn't have a single friend to help him with those things either. And see, we, we have got to be very, very careful that we don't get to the same place in our lives. That we're going through life and we're chasing after the American dream, but we don't have one single friend. You're going, Gilbert, I've got 986 friends on Facebook. It's not really what I'm talking about. That's not necessarily that you have friends. And I'm not even talking about like the, the guys that you occasionally get together with and maybe you go shoot around a golf. And ladies, I'm not talking about like the, the girls that occasionally you get to go with, you go on a shopping trip or you get together to, to do a craft. I'm talking about something so much deeper than just that. I'm talking about people that you truly do life together with. Who is that person in your life that it's 3 a.m. in the morning and you have a desperate need for somebody to come to your house? Who's that first person you think that I'm going to call them up? And their immediate response is, I'm on my way. Now, you're going, well, I have a lot of people that would do that, that they'd be like, I'm on my way. Yeah, but who's the one that isn't going to complain about it on the drive to your house? Who's the person that deeply cares about you enough that it doesn't matter what time of the day it is, they are going to be there for you? Or here's another way to think about it. Who's the person in your life that you have refrigerator rights with? You know what that is, right? <laughs> the person you're so close with and they're, they're close to you that you can go into their house, they can come into your house, and they can just go to the refrigerator and help themselves to whatever they want. Do you have people like that that what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine? You know, one of the, the things for the butlers, I was talking about, you know, that, that we're such close friends. Five, well, 2018, so five and a half years ago, yeah. Uh, five and a half years ago, Lisa and I moved from one house here in Harrisburg to another house. But the way that the closing worked on our old house and our new house, it meant that we were going to be homeless for like a week. And you know what the butler said? Mi casa su casa. <laughs> Come, live with us. So we lived with the butlers in their house for a week. It was great. It was a fantastic experience. And that's when I learned, I guess Ryan would have been, what, six, something like that. He was like six years old. That's when I discovered how smart Ryan was. He's six years old. We're sitting at the breakfast table and he goes, we don't allow solicitors here at the house. And I'm like, you're six. Like, come on, man. When I was six, I was still like picking my nose, you know, and playing in dirt and stuff. And he's like, knows what solicitors are. I'm like, Wow. But, but even, even then, like, Ryan has become a, a friend. I mean, he's, what, 12 now? Uh, 12. Um, you know, he, he's my friend. He and I were on the Xbox yesterday gaming together, right? I mean, so we, we do life together with this uh, particular family. And we haven't allowed them to come live at our house yet. They could, but they know that our pool is their pool, right? So anytime it's something, I mean, they can use it now if they wanted to today, but I wouldn't recommend it. But, you know, in the summertime, if they want to come over and use the pool, they can come over. Yeah, Hannah's another one. She's, she knows that our pool is her pool as well. I've known Hannah. I held Hannah when she was just a little, little baby and went through uh, heart surgery when she was just an infant. So um, really close with the Kroll family. So we, we need people like that. So the, the Kroll family, the, the Butlers, we have another family in our life, the, the Malats, that we're just super close with, that we just do life together in, in all ways. And so, 
you know, it's important, again, that you have somebody like that in your life. We need these friends that we're super close with, that we can do life together. There's 67 one-anothers of the New Testament. 67 things we're told to do with one another. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, rebuke one another, confess your sins one to another. So yeah, there's some fun things to do, like loving on people, but who do you have in your life that can rebuke you and you can rebuke them? And it's okay to do that. Who can you confess your sins to? We need friends that are like that. You see, it's important because even before the pandemic hit, we were living in a culture of loneliness here in this country, but it's gotten so bad now after the pandemic, we're in a full-blown mental health crisis. I mean, it's amazing just the, the mental health issues that are going on right now. And part of the reason for that is that in a recent study that was done, 80% of all Americans, listen to this, 80% of all Americans said that they have no one, no one that they call a close friend. Now, we, we have somewhat of the, the advantage of a, a family of faith that we have together. And so, it, in some ways, it's hard for us to grasp that, to go, wait a second, you don't have anybody? But 80% of Americans, no one that they would call a close friend. This is very, very serious. It has all kinds of implications mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Even not having a close friend impacts you physically as well. Did you know that? There's actually been studies that have been done that shows what is the impact of having a close friend in your life when it comes to like illness and disease and various things. In fact, they did one study where they had hundreds, and this is crazy to me, they had hundreds of people that volunteered to voluntarily be injected with the flu so that they intentionally got the flu and they were paid for this study, obviously, but the, the reason they did it was the researchers wanted to see what is the impact of friendships on the flu. You know, do you get over it faster? You know, what, 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 what happens? And sure enough, what they found is that those who reported that they had close friends didn't get sick as long, they recovered so much quicker, and they produced less mucus which is a weird thing to measure, but they, they actually produce less mucus if you had a close friend, which just means this. This is the moral of the story, basically. People who have no close friends are snottier than people that have, like, a lot of close friends, right? I mean, it's science. It's right. We know. In all seriousness, though, did you know that, again, and the study's been done, your chances of dying this year are cut in half if you have at least one significant friend in your life. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is God created you for close relationships. We need these in our lives, and it goes way beyond just the spiritual benefits. But the problem is so many people are chasing after their career, and they're shuttling their kid from one thing to another, and they're chasing after their hobbies and, you know, their own thoughts and their own interests and everything. And it's just they never take the time to be very, very intentional about building these relationships that God tells us that we should be creating. You know, the one joke I heard this many years ago, but the, the joke is that, you know, the greatest miracle Jesus did wasn't walking on water, it wasn't changing water into wine, it wasn't healing the sick. The biggest miracle that Jesus did was he was a man in his early 30s with 12 close friends. I mean, think about that. 12 close friends? Most guys, man, we don't have friends, do we? Ladies, you're a little bit more relational than what we are as guys. 
Now, I'm not saying you should shoot for 12, but I'm saying you should at least shoot for one. 80% of Americans don't even have one close friend. So we got to make sure that we're not allowing that to happen in our lives. So let's then go into, into Proverbs, which is what this series is all about. Because here we find Solomon, and I shared this with you back in the, the first week of the series, that he's now a little bit older, he's wiser, and what he's writing in these Proverbs isn't necessarily, he didn't intend it necessarily for us to benefit from it, but we do get benefit from it. Remember who he was writing to? Those of you at home, do you remember who he was writing to? He was writing to his own children. He's writing to his kids. Hey, here's some things I've learned in life. Here's some things that worked. Here's some things that didn't work. And so he's writing with the heart of a father. He wants only what's best for his kids. And if you think about it, who is actually inspiring Solomon and what to write? God the Heavenly Father. And so as you read through all the Proverbs, I want you to always keep this in mind that this is the heart of a father speaking to his children, these children that he loves. Whether you're thinking of it from Solomon's perspective, whether you're thinking of it from God's perspective, this is the heart of a father, the heart of a parent that wants nothing but the best for their kids. Now, for those of you that are parents, this shouldn't actually be hard to think about when we think about, you know, reading these Proverbs when it comes to friendships. Because here's what I guarantee you did when your little Johnny, your little Sally, you know, they were in the first grade, you went into the parent-teacher conference, and you wanted to know from the teacher not just how they were doing with their ABCs and 123s, you wanted to know how they were doing socially. Do they have any friends or not? When the kids are out at recess, do the other kids like ignore Johnny and Sally, and so they're off in the corner on the playground all by themselves, or does Johnny and Sally have some friends? You wanted to know, is Johnny and Sally, are they actually relationally reaching out to other people then? So when there's a group activity that's going on in the school, are they actually participating or are they over in the corner like sniffing the glue? You want to know this about your kid. Not just do they have friends, but then here's another question that you asked when Johnny or Sally got to be about 16 years old and they said, Mom, Dad, can I borrow the car to go over to my friend's house? You asked three questions. The first was, who's the friend? Second question is, what are you going to do? And the third question was, who else is going to be there? Because instinctively, you understand that not only is it important to have friends, but you also have to have the right types of friends. In fact, I put that on your outline here today if you're taking notes, that not only is having friends important, but equally so is having the right kind of friends. Let me say that again. Not only is having friends important, but equally so is having the right kind of friends. This makes so much sense when it comes to our kids. The question is, are you applying that to your life now that you're an adult? Do you have friends? And then what kind of friends do you have? Our friends are so, so important. We can't just settle for anyone. That's why we read in Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise will do what? Come on, help me out. You're going to become wise. You walk with the wise, you're going to become wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. I've said this to you plenty of times over the past 13 years. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Studies have been done that show that 
you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Now, we may not all have friends, but we all have people that we spend time with. You are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Health-wise, spiritually, financially. It's just who you are. So be careful who you spend your time with. And so, obviously, the, the, the lesson then would be, if you don't like your marriage right now, spend more time with people that have a good marriage. If you don't like where your spiritual walk with Jesus is right now, spend more time with people who are spiritually where you would like to be. If you don't like where you're at financially, it may be about getting a different job or getting a raise or whatever, but some of you, your finances would change just in the simple fact of hanging around people who are doing better than you are financially and, and have sort of a game plan. You know, I've shared plenty of stories in the past about like Lisa and I financially and sort of the steps that we took and there's, you know, sermons online, you can look that up, you know, the sort of the, the game plan for all that. But I don't think I've ever actually mentioned this aspect of what helped us so much is that when we were young, in our 20s, we were hanging out with two different couples that were millionaires. Well, guess what? That changes you, because you see the habits. You see what they're doing. And so it sort of rubs off on you, and you start to then apply the principles that they're doing. And so this, this applies to every single aspect of your life. If there's something about your life that you don't like, find five people that have what you want and then just start hanging out with them. Start asking questions. And all of a sudden, you'll become more and more like them. Again, the, the most important one would be spiritually. Who are the people that you go, their character and their conduct are like Jesus? They think like Jesus. They talk like Jesus. They act like Jesus. Not in a, a religious way. But man, if... I had to see that there's a model of Jesus. That, that's the person right there. Start spending more time with that person. Proverbs 27, 17, Solomon says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So again, friends are so important, but not just having friends, but equally so having the right kind of friends. So how do we find these like, good types of friends to have? Well, Solomon, he actually says something that will then apply to our friendship. So look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. Here's what he writes. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Those who are too proud or tell lies or murder. Those who make evil plans or are quick to do wrong. Those who are false witnesses or stir up trouble in the community. Now, Solomon is writing this as a warning that these are things we shouldn't do. The, that list. Don't you do those things. But let's apply it now to today's message because we've been talking about whoever you hang out with, that's who you're going to become like. And so guess what? If you're hanging out with people that are doing these things, then you're going to start to do these things. So let's actually go through the list. If your friends are proud, you're going to become proud as well. If they're full of pride, you're going to become full of pride. What's the danger of pride? Well, Solomon talks about it, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. Next, he talks about 
uh, you know, lying. That, that you and I, we, we shouldn't lie. Well, guess what? If you're hanging around people that are lying all the time, you're going to be more prone to lie. Proverbs 12, lips that lie are disgusting to the Lord, but honest people are his delight. And so when we're looking for friends, we should be looking for people who are truth tellers, people who are constantly telling the truth, being honest, not just to you, but about you as well. You're going, Gilbert, what do you mean by that? Well, you need people in your life that are willing to share with you the things you may not even want to hear. From the very simple things like, hey, you got a little broccoli stuck there in your teeth, right? You want somebody that's going to point that out to you. But then the deeper things of life of, hey, I've noticed some issues there in your marriage. Or the, the language that you use. Or these behaviors that you're demonstrating. And that isn't God's best for you. You need people like that that will call you out. And that you know that they're telling you the truth and you're not going to get defensive about it and go, oh, you're judging me. No, you know that they love you enough and they care for you enough that you're willing to allow them to speak those things into your life. So again, you, you got to have friends, but then you have to have the right kind of friends. Friends that are going to speak the words of Jesus into your life. Words that are truth. Words that aren't lies. And here's the cool thing. If they're willing to speak the truth to you when it comes to, like, the hard things, that means they're also going to speak to you about the good things as well. Have you ever had one of those situations where you're like, I don't know, I, I think maybe I'm supposed to start a business or I'm supposed to be making this career change or, or there's a, a next step that I, I think God wants me to take, but I'm not quite sure. And you start asking some people, and everybody's like, yeah, do it, you know, and stuff. And you're like, okay, are they, like, actually being serious here? Or are they just, like, blowing smoke up my butt? I mean, you know, just being honest, right? Because we have people like that that they'll just say, yes, yeah, go for it. And, and they haven't prayed about it. They haven't really thought about it. You need people in your life that are truth tellers. So that if they say that, yes, you should start that business, or, or yes, you should make that career change, or, or yes, that's the next step that God would have for you to take, that you're like, all right, they love me. They pray for me. They're always honest with me. They're going to tell me the truth in this situation. And so if they're saying to do it, then more than likely, yes, this is something that I should do. That's what gives you then the, the confidence to, to step out of your comfort zone. Next, Solomon, he, he talked about murders. Now, hopefully, it's not something any of us will ever deal with. He said, you know, God hates murder, so we, we shouldn't be murdering. But hopefully you're not hanging out with, like, you know, assassins or gang members or something like that. So you're like, okay, whew, I, I, I'm, I'm good on that one. But let's apply it to sort of more of what we would have to deal with. We all know people who will help to kill somebody else's career if it means that it's going to be an advancement for their own career. Well, don't hang out with people that are like that. We all know people who will speak words that are going to kill somebody else's confidence. Don't hang out with people like that. We all know people that will take advantage of other people's misfortunes if it means that it's going to benefit them in some way. Don't hang out with people like that. We all know people who are, are going to just kill the joy that's in a room or in a circumstance. Don't hang out with people like that. So Solomon's saying, don't you dare be that kind of person and don't hang out with that kind of person either. 
Next, he talks about evil plans. Evil plans. Don't you be making evil plans, but then don't hang out with people that are making it. Don't be hanging out with the person at your work that they're like just fantasizing. You know, if I win the lottery someday, I'm marching right into the boss's office. I'm telling them off. They're making plans to do that. Don't hang out with them. Guys, don't be hanging out with a guy that's making plans about how he's going to cheat on his spouse or cheat on his taxes or cheat in his fantasy football league. Don't hang out with those types of people. Ladies, don't be hanging out with the girls that are going, man, I can't wait for the weekend to roll around because, man, I'm going to go out and get trashed. You know, I'm just living for the weekend. I hate this work thing. I'm just going to go out and just party. Don't be hanging out with people like that, people that are making evil plans. Because eventually their thoughts are going to become your thoughts and their actions are going to become your actions. Next, Solomon talks about those that are quick to do wrong. In other words, people who are impulsive and do things without even thinking. And the problem with you hanging out with people who are impulsive is oftentimes you get caught up in their bad decisions. You just go with the flow. You're in the moment and all of a sudden you're just tagging right behind and you're doing things or saying things, involved in things that you just simply shouldn't be. So we got to be very, very careful because if we continue to do that, eventually we will get hurt. Next, Solomon talks about false witnesses. Now, some of you are going, Gilbert, what's the difference? Because he already talked about lying. What's the difference between like lying and being a false witness? Well, lying is like a, a very broad sort of category. A false witness is somebody that's lying with the express intent and purpose of hurting somebody else. So think of slander. Think of gossip. That's being a, a false witness. Here's the deal. The, the people that you have in your life, you want somebody that's going to have your back, not somebody that's going to stab you in the back. And someone once said this. It's very, very wise. It's almost its own little proverb. If they're willing to gossip to you, they're willing to gossip about you. Think about that for a second. Somebody's willing to gossip to you, they're willing to gossip about you as well. So don't be hanging out with people that are false witnesses. And then the, the final one that Solomon talks about is people who stir up trouble in the community. These are people who are constantly looking for a fight. These are people that are constantly spreading conspiracy theories. You know, as followers of Jesus, if there's a fire in our community, so to speak, whether literally or figuratively, we should show up to the fire with a bucket of water to try to help put it out. These people that are looking to stir up trouble, they show up with a bucket of gasoline. They want to just get the fire spreading more and more and more and more. We've got to be very, very careful about that. Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. He says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Let me read that one more time to you because it's so important. God blesses those who do what? Work for peace. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. This is so important because guess what? We're in another election year. We are 11 months away from a presidential election. And there are a lot of people online. There's going to be a lot of people in your work here in this community. For our Hagerstown campus, there's a lot of people down in Hagerstown. They're going to be doing the exact same thing. They're looking to stir up trouble. And so what I'm saying to you is if your quote-unquote friend or the people you're hanging out with are very, very far right, 
Like, Trump can do no wrong. Trump is like a little miniature God. Do not hang out with those people. Same is true on the other end. If your friend, the people you're hanging out, are far-left, liberal, social justice warriors, do not hang out with those people. All they're trying to do is continue to stir up conflict. They aren't looking for unity. They're looking for division. So don't hang out with people on others, either side of the extreme. Blessed are the peacemakers. Look, we love our country. All of us do, no matter where you fall politically. But it isn't about our country. It's about the kingdom of God. What is it that's going to bring the most people into a relationship? What is it that's going to help people grow in a relationship with God? And that is not Republican policies. It's not Democrat policies. It's Jesus and God's word. That is what brings life change. And the more we bring life change through Jesus, the more it'll start to spread and change our country. So don't get caught up this year in all the things that so many people are going to get caught up in. And so that was Solomon's list there. And I hope it's given you the glimpse into the heart of a father who wants you to not only have friends, but the right kinds of friends as well. Going, Gilbert, where in the world would I even find somebody like that? Well, here's a good place to start. That's why we offer life groups. If you're not involved in a life group, get involved in one. Whether it's here in the building, in somebody's house, get involved in a life group. Now, does that mean that all 6, 8, 10, 12 people in the life group are going to become your best friend? No. In fact, there's probably going to be some people you're like, eh, I don't really like being around that person. That's okay. That's all right. But what you're going to discover is in that group, you're going to find that one or two people. They're going to become those close friends that you're truly doing life deeply together with. You're going to go, well, the life groups you have right now, they don't meet on the day that I can meet or, you know, whatever. It's not the type of group I want. Okay, then start one. My default answer to almost everything is yes. Gilbert, can we do this ministry? Well, no, we can't. You can. I'll help you, right? You know, we had a great worship night last night. Jim and, 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 and uh, JT, yeah. Jim and JT came to me a couple months ago, and they're like, we want to do a worship thing in the cafeteria. Is it all right? I was like, why are you asking me? This is your church. This much my church. So the default is always, yes. Yeah. So if you want to start a life group in your house, if you want to start one here, yes, do it. Well, people aren't very friendly around here. Well, you know what? Maybe you're not very friendly. <laughs> to, to, to have friends, you've got to be a friend. So don't count on everybody else. You be the person that steps out of the comfort zone and goes, hey, you, 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 you in a life group? Oh, you're not? Let's start one together. Have friends. You've got to be a friend. Again, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. I'll wrap up with this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Solomon writes this, there are quote-unquote friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And that's what we want for you. We want somebody that's not just a friend, but like what Lisa and I have with the Butlers, they become family. What we have with the Kroll family as well. They're like family. We literally do life deeply together. That's what I want for you to experience. Because together, you'll do even greater things for Jesus than you could ever do alone. So who is it? 
who is it that you're going to invest time in? You're going to be very intentional about, I want to get to know this person so that we can do life deeply together. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your heart and the words that you inspired Solomon to write throughout Proverbs, this heart of a father to his children. And God, we are your children. And you're not giving us the, these Proverbs as these like hard commands. You're going, no, 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 I, I know this is what's going to be best for you. So be wise. Don't be like the fools. Be wise and apply these things. And so, Lord, I, I just pray for each and every one of us that we would find those uh, one or two or maybe even a couple more people in our lives that we can do life deeply together with, to experience all those one another's of Scripture with. Lord, thank you that you've, through the years, provided those types of people for Lisa and I. And I just pray blessing on, on them and I just pray again that each and every person that's either here live in this room, they're watching online, whether in live or in the future, that, Lord, they would be able to experience that same type of deep joy and intimacy and, and koinonia from a scriptural standpoint of that, that deep fellowship with other people. So, Lord, I just, again, pray that your spirit has been working in our hearts and in our minds as I've been preaching this message of am I chasing the right things or not? Am I, I chasing after the American dream or am I pursuing God's kingdom and his righteousness and the things that God would want? Lord, again, I, I just pray that each and every one of us would have the, the boldness and the courage to step out of our comfort zone and to start being very, very intentional about building relationships with other people. Not just any person, but the right kind of people. Lord, I can't wait for three months, six months, a year, five years, ten years from now to, to hear the stories of, of people that go, go, do you remember back in the beginning of 2024 when you talked about finding friends from the book of Proverbs? Man, I took that seriously. And, and how look at this friend that I have and look at the ministry that we're able to do together. Lord, I can't wait to hear those stories as we're obedient to your word. So, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts and in our minds. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.